Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to World Footprints Radio. We're so happy to be broadcasting again from one of our favorite cities in the world, New Orleans. During French Quarter Festival, you can hear the music and all other sounds in the background. Uh, but uh, but we're bringing it to you live. We're your host, Tanya Nian Fitzpatrick, and we are here in the heart of the French Quarter at the Hard Rock Cafe on the outside second-level balcony. Hence all the the, the good noise. And uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of things that really make the city great that everybody knows about the food, the music. Um, but we're also going to bring you a few surprises in our celebration of responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Indeed, as we uh, continue our broadcast from the French Quarter Festival in New Orleans, as uh, you know, we love New Orleans, and we had a great first hour where we got a chance to just talk to some of the people who make the city such a special place, especially Jerry Romig, a longtime Saints announcer, just to share the passion. He's precious. He is. Just, just wonderful. He, he is part of that living history that we think, we feel is so important to bring to you, and as Tanya mentioned, we've got some surprises scheduled for this second hour, and we're going to kick things off as as we do with uh, Stephanie McKee, who is uh, part of uh, the scene here in New Orleans, and we're going to talk to her about her neighborhood and why it's such a special place, the 7th Ward. And from there, we're going to cover more things about New Orleans. We're going to learn about the architectural history of the city, and we're going to Sing the praises of the city with Jeremy Davenport, another quintessential New Orleans musician. And finally, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that we will have a major music superstar with us. Well, so we'll I, see. I, I think uh, the, the gentleman otherwise known as the Mick Jagger of the Marsh, Rockin' uh, <laughs> Dupe Jr., will, is on his way but stuck in French Quarter uh, festival track. Yeah, you know, that's just how it is. It's, it's tough to get down here when it, everybody wants to be here. So, well, but, but that's, that's okay. We'll keep things going. And, you know, we, we have an hour, uh, a packed hour of fun and entertainment. And we'll hope that you'll learn some new things about this great city. And we also hope that you'll join us on our social media commu- uh, communities, Facebook and Twitter. And I don't know how many others we're, we're part of, honey. But uh, you can learn all about that stuff. Sign up for a newsletter on our website at World. WorldFootprints.com. The Seventh Ward neighborhood has long since been considered the quintessential Creole neighborhood in New Orleans. Many accomplished, educated, and free people of color lived in the Seventh Ward prior to the Civil War and during the time when Jim Crow laws were in effect. The ward is the second largest of the 17 wards in the city, the Ninth Ward being the largest, and it has a very rich history. Reported to be the birthplace of jazz, the Faubourg Treme neighborhood in the Seventh Ward was central to a PBS award-winning documentary about the neighborhood, and now HBO is producing a series based on Treme, which I believe starts uh, Sunday. With everything going on in the Seventh Ward, we had to invite Stevie McKee, director of the Seventh Ward Neighborhood uh, Center, to get the inside scoop. Stevie, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank so you for fighting the traffic to get to us. <laughs> yeah. I heard it's pretty brutal out there. <laughs> pretty bad. Now, there's a lot of, of stuff, great stuff going on in uh, the Seventh Ward, the, the uh, Treme documentary, the HBO series, and something that's near and dear to my heart, the Urban Bush uh, Women's Summer Institute. Tell us about these, these great things that are happening in your neck of the woods. So the Seventh Ward Neighborhood Center is a program of Neighborhood Housing Services of New Orleans. It's a community development corporation, and their primary focus is on housing and first-time homebuyer um, type programs. Okay. The Seventh Ward Neighborhood Center came out of uh, the executive director's thought that we needed to take a more holistic approach to neighborhoods by creating these gathering spaces for neighbors to gather, especially post-Katrina. There was a real need for these types of spaces for people to gather. There was a need for internet. 
um, the ability to fax and things like that. Of course, as we got past and we got into the recovery uh, post-Katrina, the need shifted. And so now it's a hub for a lot of the organizing that happens inside the seventh ward. Culture and art as one of those things to capture because that's one of the things that's near and dear to everyone's heart inside the inside the seventh ward. So we typically use uh, the culture around eating together, food because we love our food here in New Orleans. Oh yeah. Oh, you you think? No, you don't. <laughs> and we also use music. Now, now um, the the history, and I know you you touched on this uh, a little bit, but it, it's it's so fascinating, and some uh, many people have described the Seventh Ward as an Eden for people of color. Now, you know, there's it's not saying that it was just the place, the glory place to be, because there's trouble everywhere. But but that seemed to be a bit of a sanctuary back in the day um, for for people of color during uh, the Jim Crow era, especially, and uh, the ward is also purported to be the birthplace of jazz, but the, the, the beginning of the Seventh Ward is really, really interesting. Tell us, tell us about that, how the neighborhood began its history and how it's been developed over the years. Well, you know, I've seen it change because I'm only, you know, 42 years old, so I've seen You're 28, it honey. <laughs> I've seen it change, but in going back and talking to other people that have lived and seen, been there long enough neighborhood shift and change. It changed a whole lot, and it was one that was definitely for families. Um, that was the root of the neighborhood. Everyone knew each other, and it was multicultural during that time. There was a stretch of I-10 that was put through uh, the, the neighborhood that changed it, and that's around the time that, you know, I came onto this earth. Um, and around the time I started going to high school over in that area. So I've seen it even shift from that time. Um, that was the beginning of the time where things started closing down, businesses started closing, um, homes were abandoned, homes have been neglected. But there is always inside the neighborhood, you have the ability to see what once was in the neighborhood. It's still very glorious, although maybe a little dusty and maybe in need of repair very beautiful and I think the essence of family has remained. Now, Stevie, one of the uh, things about uh, about about what's taking place in the Seventh Ward through the community revitalization are are these partnerships, and these partnerships extend well beyond New Orleans. And one of them happens to be with the University of Kansas School of Architecture. How did that school come to be part of turning this neighborhood around? Talk to us about 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 some of those efforts and 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 just how people are kind of rallying to make a difference in the neighborhood. Well, um, I think that after the storm, there were lots of people who had connections in various places. University of Kansas, I do know that um, they had a connection to an architect here um, at the school, uh, Tulane University. Okay. And so that was the entree, I think, into New Orleans through that. Um, and they've done a lot of things. They've done a lot at the Seventh Ward neighborhood, as, as a matter of fact, through um, their partnership with the Porch Cultural Organization, which is separate from the Seventh Ward Neighborhood Center, but we exist there in the same space. So they do a lot of uh, cultural programming as well, particularly with kids. And one of the things that the University of Kansas did is they came down to visit, and they both designed and built some structures that are there at the Seventh Ward Neighborhood Center. One is an outdoor shade structure, which is a different twist on sort of these New Orleans courtyards. Mm -hmm. So we're able to utilize the full space. Okay. And another is um, an outdoor stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was also um, another shade structure that they built. Mm -hmm. Steve, in the last uh, few minutes that we have left, I want to ask you about the Urban Bushwomen uh, Summer Institute. Is that institute meant to uh, serve people, local uh, or, or people from all over the nation um, to, to dance during the summer, learn learn the art of dance during the summer? Well, it's, it's actually designed for people all over with a special emphasis because they understand that place matters. Because we're here in New Orleans, special emphasis on the people, the artists, organizers that are here in New Orleans. And I must say, even though dance is the first language, the emphasis is on leadership development and other things that you can take with you for community art making or organizing. Mm. 
love the program and, and love that you're heading in. And Jana Lasort uh, sang your praises, so um, I'm, you know, always pleased to, uh, to to welcome a friend of a friend, and you're my friend now. So <laughs> thank you so much for for coming on our show and, and and talking about the wonderful things in your neighborhood. And again, it's just another, um, you know, our discussion with you is just another way to promote tourism in the city of New Orleans and, and outside of. Bourbon Street, beyond Bourbon Street, and so thank you for sharing those lovely things with us. Thanks very much. And uh, we are going to uh, take a quick break here, guys, and uh, when we come back, we have some more surprises with you, so enjoy a little bit of the music. Uh, I don't know if you all can hear us, but I know you can certainly hear the music in the background. Oh, yeah, it's intense. (laughs) (laughs) And you're listening to World Footprints Radio with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Are you sure it's not honky-tonk radio? (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure what we got going on, but, you know, that's French Quarter Festival. It's diverse music. Hi, I'm Nancy from Lansing, Michigan. I'm here in New Orleans, and I enjoy listening to the World Footprints Radio. Attention travel writers and travel industry professionals. The North American Travel Journalists Association invites all journalists, editors, CVBs, DMOs, and bloggers to the annual conference and marketplace May 11th through the 14th in Reno, Nevada. This is a fantastic opportunity to develop your craft through several professional development workshops, and you'll also have invaluable opportunities to meet editors one-on-one, network, and participate in the marketplace. Friend the North American Travel Journalist Association on Facebook for a huge discount. For details, visit their website at www.natja.org. That's N-A-T-J-A.org. And make sure you mention World Footprints Radio when you sign up. Green, green, green. It's your home, it's your dream. Making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Testing for radon is easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the US EPA. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Would you rather make your own way or spend a lifetime saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or go to peacecorps.gov. Hey, this is Jay down in New Orleans, and you're listening to the good folks at World Footprints. Let's return to World Footprints Radio with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Yippee, indeed. I don't know if you all heard that in the back, but, uh, you know, the French Quarter Festival is a, is a festival of eclectic music, so thank you for joining us, and, you know, we are so excited, our next guest, and I have a trivia question for you all. What do the following have in common? Britney Spears, President Bill Clinton, B.B. King, Tina Turner, the Neville Brothers, Cindy Lauper, Jimmy Buffett, Wheel of Fortune, the Smithsonian Museum, and Bonnie Raitt. That's the, you know, talk about eclectic. It is. That, that, that list. But the common denominator is our next guest. They, uh, they have either performed with or have been entertained by Rockin' Dupsy Jr. and the Zydeco Twisters. Described as a Mick Jagger of the march, Rockin' Dupsy Jr. has traveled to more cities than a Greyhound bus or a Delta airplane. And we are so fortunate to have him uh, take some time out of his hectic schedule, because I know he's performing this weekend, to uh, to spend some time with us on World Footprints Radio. Welcome. It's good to be here. Welcome to New Orleans. Oh, thank thank you, you, man. You are one of the baddest dudes on the planet. (laughs) You know it. Come on. Oh, you know that's true. I appreciate that. I'll (laughs) take that as a huge compliment. Honestly, I saw you last year at the Hornets Pepper Alley, and and I I thought I saw James. Brown before me. It was so bad. I mean, bad. Well, you know what? And you did a move, and 
I thought it hurt me because I thought I don't do splits anymore. You know, I'm pretty sure I saw well, you going down. I still have a few years, oh. in, but I don't know how much. Oh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'm uh, we're, we're in the presence of royalty, so I'm, oh. I'm going to curtsy to you. Oh well, no. <laughs> well, y'all so kind. Oh well, you're you're kind to join us, and thank you so much for for thank stopping by. Yeah, yeah, it's our pleasure. I want to ask you know the list of, of people you performed with just goes on. I mean, I, I could have spent the whole 15 minutes really talking about the people you perform with, and you know, not including Paul Simon and James Brown. I mean, and, and the, the show, Kathy Lee and Regis, or Regis and Kathy Lee. Ooh, yeah. I would have gotten in trouble on that one. Uh, Gail King, and you know, all this really started, I understand, when you got a, an accordion at the age of nine, yeah. which was later followed by the most, uh, the, the critical instrument in a Zydeco band, the washboard. Right. Tell us about your start and, and just your your evolution. Well, actually, actually uh, as you know, my father, Rocky Ducey Sr., was one of the pioneers of Zydeco music. He was playing, they started Zydeco music back in the 50s. But back then it wasn't called Zydeco music, it was called Lala music. Lala music. Yeah, and, and Zydeco music really didn't start to be called Zydeco music till the late 70s, like 77, 78. And Zydeco in France is a snap bean. Mm -hmm. oh. uh, yeah, you know, like yeah. the green man in the can, and, and yeah. you know, we're like, where are you going tonight? I'm going to the Zydeco. And when my father first started, it was just him and a, a cousin of his called Chester Zeno, and they played a card. He, my, my dad was a card player, playing. Chester was the washboard player. Mm. And when they play a la-la on a Saturday night, they'd go to somebody's living room, take all the furniture out, charge a quarter to get in, you know, and, and, and that's how it all started. And then growing up, Growing up in the, uh, uh, my father's household, you know, there were guys that um, came around, like B.B. Uh, King would come to visit my father yeah. in the house, the, mm. the late, gate, the late great Gate Mount Brown, and, you know, a whole Charles Brown, a whole lot of them. And I guess uh, growing up, I was a young kid that was so influenced by rhythm and blues and rock and roll, which some of my biggest influence was... You know, of course, guys like James Brown yes. and, and, and uh, Wilson Pickett, yes. Sam Cooke, you know, um, Jackie Wilson, all your great yeah. entertainers, you know. Yeah. So, And, of course, then came Michael Jackson and Prince, and I try to collaborate, you know, what they do into my show. Oh, you, know, you you do it so well. And, and as I said, I was, I was just mesmerized. There are very few people I've been mesmerized. I've seen Prince live. That, that's where you took me. And I just said, wow, oh, thank that you. man is amazing. You know, and, 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 I, and I'll, I'll just forewarn you, Ian might try to um, emulate you because... Oh, he, no. <laughs> I, wish, I wish he would come out to no, the no, show no. tomorrow night. Oh, but, you know, I'm telling you, he will he will sing, uh, you know, after a few glasses of something. Uh, he will get on the stage at a karaoke and try to do James Brown. Now, you know, that's a little, little bit embarrassing for me, but, you know... Well, well, it's embarrassing for me, but, hey, you know... I bet despite the drinks, you got his boots. Oh, yeah. I could only hope and pray. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now, now, out of all of the uh, the different uh, people that you performed with, and, and considering their different genres of music, Zydeco music has really broken out of its southern Louisiana uh, breeding ground to become very universal. How did that happen? Well, you know, Zydeco music is... Uh, kind of started off like like reggae you know reggae had like a slow start and it was all the reggae followers and then it broke through but then zydeco music you start having the guys like like the paul simons and the jimmy buffets and you know all these cats listening to zydeco music they come down like there's a lot of places i go around california new york city where you have either either billy joe or uh dennis quaid or somebody get on stage and um come rock out to Zydeco. If you're not dancing to Zydeco music, then you got a hole in your soul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, we, we, try, we try to get a crossover to a different rhythm and blues style with the Zydeco stuff, and as you, you can hear, there's a lot of Zydeco music and a lot of national commercials, mm -hmm. so that's working, you know, that's working real well, but, you know, one of the greatest influences in my career, well, well, for me, was being home on a Saturday morning and getting a call from my manager, and being Beyonce was in town doing her B-Day CD. Oh, my. And she wanted some Zydeco flavor on her CD. <laughs> and she goes, how, how soon can you get 
to Oak Alley Plantation, and I'm like, in 10 minutes. <laughs> she said, she said, fiance wants you. But I did not perform on the record, but she wanted a Zydeco look. She wanted the Cardi in the washboard. So if you got the B-Day mm-hmm. CD, they got like 15 pictures of us together mm-hmm. on the inside of the CD cover. So it, it, it was pretty cool. Is there anybody else that, that, I mean, you performed with everybody, but is there anybody out there that you, you're dying to perform with? Uh, I, I'd like to do some stuff. Actually, I'd like to do some stuff with Mick Jagger. I'd like uh-huh. to do some stuff with uh, Usher, Chris Paul, okay. those young guys. Yeah. Him, this old man still got a little fire. Oh, in man. <laughs> man, you you got more than fire. You got an inferno. Oh, uh, right. so you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I like this guy. He's, he's a well, kid. Well, hey, yeah. you know, but, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, one of the things in just talking about Zydeco music is that all of these different instruments, You've got music, and then you got stuff that my grandmother used to clean clothes with, washboards, right. all of that stuff. Talk to us about 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 how it just blends everything, because I've seen musicians all over. I I I I can remember being in Toronto when I was a kid, and some young boys grabbed some Rubbermaid trash cans and were just jamming right there on Young Street, you know, just just taking what's there. And that sounds like part of what Zydeco is. You well, work with what you got. Yeah, Zydeco. I I mean, there's no chart to put on and go in the studio and uh, do Zydeco. I remember when we were recording with Bob Dylan on the Old Mercy CD. He was he had a chart. And I remember my father saying, "Look, just just let's go with what we feel." Uh-huh. Zydeco, you play Zydeco from your heart. It's what uh-huh. you feel. I mean, you have a washboard, you have a cardigan, some have a, a harmonica. And I add elements to, to my group after my, the passing of my father that he never had. I had an extra trumpet, kept the saxophone, I had a keyboard player, because I wanted that big sound. And uh, Zydeco music, as you say, it goes way back to the days of, like, the, the, the T-Ball Walker, you know, the uh, Slim Harpos. You take all that rhythm and blues stuff, and Zydeco music, you know, they say country music is like singing about a sad song. Uh-huh. Zydeco music is less... It's like singing through poverty, you know? It's yeah. like working your way up to the top, you know? Because, uh-huh. I mean, my dad, growing up, my dad never had a high school education. Uh, never got a chance to go to school. Mm-hmm. All he did was work in the field, broke, broke uh, like, pick cotton and broke potatoes and stuff. And, you know, and um, that's what Zodico is all about, you know? Talking about the life, how you're growing up, and, and you know, that lived through me. Speaking of your dad, he was honored. Uh, his his crown was put on permanent display. And I actually shared that with somebody here who uh, who didn't know this. Uh-huh. But uh, but that's permanent on permanent display at the Smithsonian in, right. in our hometown, Washington D.C. Right. And you went there. You were honored, but you also performed. What was that like for you? Actually, we went there. We performed, and it, it, it was it was more than an honor to me. I think after the show, everybody loved the show. But I think when the show was over, that. that uh, people at Smithsonian wanted to. If they, if they could have tied me up and had me locked up, they would. Because I was performing, <laughs> and the crowd was sitting down. And you don't come to Rock and Duke to show and sit down. I know. And I know. The, guy, the, the guy informed me. He goes, look, we have no dancing in here, so everybody's got to sit down and enjoy That's the show. Smithsonian? Oh, yeah. no. And oh, I'm no. like, y'all got to get up and come party and have a great time. And uh, You got to shake those folks up in D.C. Right, right. Get them and, off their butts. And they got up and... Uh, <laughs> They had a good time, and, and it was it, it was a great honor for my father. You know, my father was left-handed. Of course, I'm left-handed, but the, the greatest thing about my father, he took a right-hand accordion, and he turned it upside down, and he learned how to play the keyboards coming up backwards. Ooh. Yeah, so my father was pretty much one of the only left-handed accordion players in the whole world so that was that was that was great that was that was a great thing and uh actually i have to throw this in here i'm getting i'm getting honored oh hello oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting honored into the tipatina's walk of fame no. oh when you go to tipatina's i have my black <laughs> on the sidewalk and not only am i getting honored two juniors are getting honored on oh, the same wow. day it'll be rocking Ducey jr and harry connick jr so, oh fantastic i'm a great company man I'm oh a great company. yeah this is great yeah, yeah well congratulations
congratulations. You know, we need to throw a party up in D.C. Yeah, what well, are you doing? When Holla, are you coming back? Holla, I'm coming. I'm, now, I'm ready. <laughs> now, now, one of the things that you talked about is just Zydeco and, and how it spread. We've got a guy up in D.C. you probably know about, Chuck Brown and Go-Go. It, yeah. It's got a lot of that. And, you know, you guys are just so connected. And so it's just interesting how all of this music just bridges so many people in so many places. Well, you know, it's a beautiful thing because guys like Chuck Brown, who's very, I think he's a very talented guy, they come to New Orleans and they, they see a lot of different stuff and they hear a lot of different music and they take what we do and collaborate it into what they're doing and it takes it around and say, man, where you heard that? from? Yeah. man, Rock and Dukes or something. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm coming to D.C. and I'm going to give y'all the real deal, so it's a great Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So how long y'all going to be in New Orleans? Hey, we are here until Sunday, but, uh, you tomorrow. know. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, what time y'all like out of here tomorrow? Oh. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Oh, I perform at the old U.S. Mint. At 545, uh, I would love to have y'all introduce me, because um, uh, anybody that comes out to the show tomorrow night, I'll tell you what, y'all just might want to tie your shoelaces. <laughs> I'm planning on, on making you dance until you get dizzy. Oh, yeah, look, man. I dance in flip-flops, so I'll just take the shoes there off. There you go, girl. Ain't nothing wrong with being barefoot. <laughs> oh, well, Rocket Dizzy, thank you so much for joining thank us today. For it's it's been an honor to have you on our show. Yeah, thank really. for having yeah, me. Yeah, you know, hopefully when I get up to D.C., we can see one another and hang out and have a good time. I love yeah. you. Well, you have, you have, I know how to find you. I know where you live. See, Come I'm see me. Part of the agency. That's uh-oh, right. uh-oh. That's right. Uh-oh. Watch out. You know, <laughs> but uh, the man has all, he, he is what we see in entertainment, the total package, you know. Yes, he is. You know, yes. a triple threat. And I think, talk about I think the he's got, he has, uh, uh, the, man, the man has some of the baddest doc <laughs> you've ever seen. I mean, uh, God bless you. he's got superhero boots on. <laughs> you know. That's my running boots. <laughs> That's what helped you get to Beyonce. There you go. There you go. Okay. It was, it, thank y'all for making this such a great festival and being a part of our great culture here and oh, hopefully we can you. do it again soon. Oh, every year. We're here every year. Hey. Every year. I'm here. Holla. All right. Holla if you need me. All right. All right. Juicy. We'll keep rocking on and uh, whoo. We'll uh, we'll we'll see you all on yee-hee on the other side. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> I, but I I had good pitch, didn't I? Yeah, you, you was right yeah. on it. Thank you, dear. You was right on it. <laughs> we'll see you right after God this bless break, you. y'all. Enjoy. I'm Lord Richard, and I'm from Northern Ireland, and I have uh, a record company uh, which produces New Orleans records, jazz records from the 1960s and early 70s uh, from New Orleans. And I, I just love World Footprints. The North American Travel Journalists Association invites all journalists, editors, CBBs, DMOs, and bloggers to their annual conference and marketplace May 11th through 14th in Reno, Nevada. This is a fantastic opportunity to develop your craft through several professional development workshops. You'll also have invaluable opportunities to meet editors one-on-one, network, and participate in the marketplace. Friend them on Facebook for a huge discount. For details, visit their website at www.natchez.org. Make sure you mention World Footprints Radio when you sign up. Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov slash swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And welcome back, everybody. That was such a fun time with Rockin' Dupsy. Man, he is just... He is just one bad dude. I mean it. Uh, the dude is sharp. He's tight, and he's a wonderful musician, entertainer, and just a good soul. And we're going to continue our special broadcast from the Prince Quarter Festival here in New Orleans. And as you've come to know from the people that we've met on our show, there are many things that are unique and special about New Orleans, from the food, the music, and its architecture and cultural heritage. <laughs> Indeed. Preserving the city's architecture is tantamount to preserving its soul. 
Since 1974, the New Orleans Preservation Resource Center has worked to promote the preservation, restoration, and revitalization of New Orleans' historic architecture and neighborhoods. Patty Gay is the director of the Preservation Resource Center, and she joins us to talk about the architectural cultural preservation projects her center is working on. Patty, welcome to well, World Footprints. Thank you so much, and thank you for your mission. I think it's fabulous. Responsible tourism is just what we need. Well, as my wife will tell you and people who know me, I started off as an architect. I didn't become one, but I still think like an architect. And, and, and New Orleans is such an interesting city from, from, from the great architecture here in the French Quarter to the great architecture you see throughout the city. It's, it truly is an eclectic mix of things and diversity. And as I mentioned, you know, preserving architecture is tantamount to preserving the soul of a city. Talk to us about this resource, this aesthetic here in New Orleans and why it's so important. Well, it is one that we treasure. And uh, when you think about the fact that the city was the third largest city in the United States in the mid-19th century, and when you think that we've saved so much of it, then do you know why we have this incredible resource? And the people here love it. It isn't just a matter of passing legislation to protect it. It is a love of our historic architecture and what it stands for. We have one program where we find, we uh, do research and find... <laughs> Live radio. As part of our culture. Here comes um, the train. We um, identify houses where early jazz legends live and to really make that connection between the historic built environment and our culture some people don't get it yet (laughs) and uh, we put plaques on these houses and I can't tell you in many cases the descendants still live there and they are practically forgotten and they are so happy to have that plaque and you know I'm so glad you do that because you know last year we did uh, we did a city tour and I've been around the city I've been coming for years but every time may come there's something new and last year what I discovered was the Edgar Degas home and I'm like and I did a happy dance because I love I love his work and to, to think that you know and I'm so happy that the house is preserved and uh, I know you had a role in that but other as you mentioned oh, other historic homes. So, the history is so rich it really is and in fact the artist George Schmidt did a series of paintings of Edgar Degas in New Orleans from his letters back to Paris. Wow. Uh, so we, we approach it how, however we can to spread the word about this rich culture. And I know um, that you believe this, but tourists like to be where the locals like to be. That's the way I am. I when I visit some place, I'm looking around, I'm saying, am I just one of a thousand tourists, or are there local people right. here enjoying the food right. or enjoying this particular spot? And so uh, that's what we do, is, and that's what our city w- has always done. Mm-hmm. We live here, and mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do in this, um, with a new administration, is to get uh, a little of that marketing money that we spend on tourism. Yes. Let's take the same approach to marketing the livability of our city, uh-huh. and it will benefit tourism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As well as the city. Yeah. Now, Patty, I wanted to ask you about the architectural styles uh, that are found in New Orleans. And I know that, uh, at least according to the city tour that we did last year, there I think the architecture started with a, a, a either a Spanish or French, and I get the two confused, but they started with one and ended up... Well, we were founded by the French in 1718. And then in 1763, uh, the French lost the war um, and had New Orleans became Spanish. The Spanish brought a really uh, good colonial administration and there were two terrible fires in the 1780s, so it was rebuilt under Spanish rule. Mm-hmm. But to me, I mean, the people were still French um, and it's, so it's a combination, it's Mediterranean. Um, but it's it's unique. Let's face it, it, it is so. unique. 
very much, even the shotgun homes, which I love. Well, yes, and then the Americans started coming in, and that's a whole another yep. story <laughs> of how uh, the Americans had to uh, live, build above Canal Street, and what we sometimes call the American sector yeah. because the French weren't no place for them in the French Quarter anyway. Uh, but the we really do focus on the shotgun house um, and the Creole cottage, the modest houses that people just love. And I love explaining the difference. Uh, they, they could be identical from the front, uh, the Creole cottage or the shotgun house, but the shotgun house has that... Uh, Ridge that is perpendicular to the street, so you can keep adding one room on wow. after the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Creole Cottage has a roof ridge that is parallel to the street with a gable side, and so it's only basically two rooms deep with a little cabinet perhaps in the back. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. And children love to learn that. It's easy to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a program where we uh, reach out to youngsters in our city and to show them a little bit about New Orleans architecture. You know, you know, one of the things today that we come to discover is that architecture is so important in defining places, truly, because as as societies grow and develop, there tends to be kind of a, a convergence, whether it's around a design style, like an international style, that's almost separated from the place. But what you're working on really is about maintaining the heritage of the city and really connecting New Orleans with the style, with the design. And one of the things that you're doing in that regard is the Ethnic Preservation Project, which is very interesting. Talk to us about that. Well, um, there were so many. Um, we were a large port city. And, uh, and I think in, we were second to New York in immigration. So uh, they, people say that the accent you hear here sometimes is similar to the accent in the Bronx. And it's not the, the southern accent at all. And of course, neighborhoods have different accents. It's, that's beginning to sort of melt away, unfortunately. But uh, we, well, I think one year we had more immigrants than New York. So the, we had many Italians, Germans, Irish, uh, all, all ethnic groups here. And of course, that is. Um, I would. What I want to do ultimately is to have information on um, where all the ethnic groups lived and how the, their populations grew. They moved in the city. Uh, Richard Campanella is the geographer who has all that information, and we want to provide it to our visitors. But you mentioned one thing um, about architecture making a city unique. And in this day and time where the world is getting smaller and smaller, and we have globalism for sure, yeah. I wish we could take the example of New Orleans saving the French Quarter way back in 1936. Yeah. It's not an economic hardship at all. It is driving and major industry. I wish that every city around the world could take a deep breath, look at what we've done here, and and say we're not going to bulldoze our entire inner city for high-rise construction. That can be good, but it isn't an economic hardship. But besides that, it keeps the identity of your city. It makes your people, if you get rid of it, the people are disenfranchised from their city. Absolutely. You know, Patty, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is, you know, you mentioned um, global support and, and, and certainly our global recognition for what you're doing, but certainly there, you've, uh, you've earned a lot of global support. I mean, you've done a lot of programs. You had a lecture series with the Prince of Wales. You have New Yorkers who have joined New Orleans in, in their rebuilding efforts. Talk to us about that global support that you're receiving and, and how critical it is to... It is so incredible. Uh, I was in touch with the National Trust for Historic Preservation the day the canal walls broke. Uh, and the Rebuilding Together National Program was soon there for us and still is. We have had support from uh, around the country and continue to do so. And um, and I've done some traveling myself, and I've talked about preservation in cities throughout Indonesia, uh-huh. for example. And I, I know the issues are all the same, and uh, we we care about each other, and we have a lot to learn from each other. Um, our apprentice program with the uh, Prince of Wales uh, Foundation was a fabulous opportunity for people who live here, young men uh, and women. 
uh, and some older, middle-aged, uh, to have this very special training to bring them to another level in the plaster work, the carpentry, um, and all of the things that go into the construction trade. You know, one of the things, too, is as we talk about sustainable communities, sustainable cities, uh, you know, the smartest, greenest building is an existing building. You know, sometimes people forget that. And in preserving the old, we're actually reconnecting with what makes the most sense from, you know, a bottom line standpoint. And, and I think, again, as we think about New Orleans and the collection of neighborhoods that extend beyond the French Quarter, it's so important to preserve that because if people are going to keep coming back and back, they're going to want to experience some of these other places. Talk to us about some of the neighborhoods that are right on the edge and some of the places that are so critically important in your mind that need to be preserved. Well, uh, so many neighborhoods have survived and really uh, bl blossomed since the 60s and 70s when neighborhoods all over this uh, country were suffering from federal programs that finally got moderated uh, through the National Preservation Act of 1966. But um, so the neighborhood, you're so right to show the connection between those neighborhoods that have done well and then the ones next to them and then beyond because we look at a city holistically. And what is good for an old neighborhood is good for a new neighborhood as well. Uh, to lose a house in a neighborhood that was developed in the 1950s, you're, you're with a vacant lot, you don't know what is going to be just as bad in a newer neighborhood as in an old neighborhood. And so, uh, and the, the design is of your neighborhood, uh, the way your neighborhood looks is so important. It's not just if it's historic, it can be a newer neighborhood, but it needs to look good. That's a principle Absolutely. that applies to both. So we, our neighborhoods are all doing very well. I just came from a transition team meeting on neighborhood development and we've got to do better. We've lost a lot of people. You have vacant properties. You don't get more people living here. We need to market the livability of this city just like we market to attract visitors because those vacant houses, they're economic resources, but not if we don't have people to buy and live in them. Well, I'll tell you, my dear, we are doing our part uh, as World Footprints Radio to, to be ambassadors for this city. And as, as Kelly knows, you know, this is our second home. And we love the city we, we and, and we support it. So well, thank you so much for coming on our show. I thank you. And the next time you come, I hope all of our Main Street programs are going great guns so your visitors can visit at least six different neighborhood Main Streets as well. Without the train in the background, yes. yeah. A vibrant sign of commerce here in uh, the Crescent City. <laughs> oh, that's a steamboat. Okay. Woo, Lord. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Patty. Okay. You're, you're listening to World Footprints Radio with Tanya Nee and Fitzpatrick. And as we wrap up our final segment, we have a fantastic musical guest for you, Jeremy Davenport. Hi, I'm Patricia Elsie from Mother's Restaurant, and I'm sitting here with the famous World Footprints radio people, Tanya and Ian, <laughs> and they love all the cooking. She got a shrimp creole, he got a breakfast special with scrambled laser cheese, and Ian got the scrambled breakfast with sauce and hot sauce, and he really enjoyed the food. I love them, and I hope they come back again. Attention travel writers and travel industry professionals. The North American Travel Journalists Association invites all journalists, editors, CVBs, DMOs, and bloggers to the annual conference and marketplace May 11th through the 14th in Reno, Nevada. This is a fantastic opportunity to develop your craft through several professional development workshops, and you'll also have invaluable opportunities to meet editors one-on-one, -on -one, network, and participate in the marketplace. Friend the North American Travel Journalist Association on Facebook for a huge discount. For details, visit their website at www.natja.org. That's N-A-T-J-A dot org. And make sure you mention World Footprints Radio when you sign up. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Carter Fleming, Community Center Volunteer. The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s and we as a generation can still impact our country. Lead, inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today. 
or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service in this station. Hi, this is Paul Harris from uh, Southampton, England. We're once again here in New Orleans. I think it's my 35th or 40th, 40th time, <laughs> and it's always a pleasure to come back. We always bring our, our musicians with us. And it's a great pleasure to uh, meet uh, our friends from World Footprints and uh, wish you all the success with your show and uh, looking forward to seeing you again sometime. This is World Footprints Radio, celebrating responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Here are your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And welcome back, everybody. And certainly we are knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. That's what I've been hearing in the background. I'm doing pretty good, you know, catching these little <laughs> catch things. And certainly a uh, little piece of heaven is with us, Jeremy Davenport. Thank, I'm, I'm so happy to have him. And, you know, for nearly a decade, uh, Jeremy has been a vital part of New Orleans music scene. Born in St. Louis, Missouri, a fellow Midwesterner. Always happy to have, uh, have a fellow Midwest guy. Um, he was born into a family of musicians, and Jerry started his career, his music career, very early, performing at the St. Louis Symphony, which led to an introduction to Wynton Marcellus, which led to an introduction to performances with Harry Connick Jr., who Dupsy said will be uh, sworn into Tipitina's with him in, uh, very shortly. And Wynton and Harry are in large part responsible for Jerry moving to New Orleans. He has released several acclaimed CDs over the last several years. Most recently, his labor of love will dance till dawn. You can often find Jeremy performing on weekends at his Davenport Lounge in the Ritz-Carlton, New Orleans. And so we are so happy uh, that he is joining us this early morning because I know he's performing last night. And uh, we uh, missed that performance, unfortunately. But we're happy to uh, happy to have you on your sh- on our show, Jerry. Thanks so much for stopping by. It's good to be here. You, you know, you grew up in a musical family in uh, in St. Louis, and we had we've had the likes of uh, Ben Jaffe and Charmaine Neville on our show before. And I always ask a question from somebody who grew up in a musical family: Did you have a choice? Could you have been anything other than a musician? You know, it's kind of a funny story. I'm glad you asked that because my my parents actually encouraged me um, to do. They didn't want me to be a musician. Oh, really? So the, the, the choice was kind of like, please don't be a musician. <laughs> so it was kind of probably the opposite effect. Than, <laughs> um, but it, it was like, um, it, it was such a strong calling for me that I really had no other no other option. It, mm. So uh, it's all I've ever known. And uh, i tell a quick funny story about that. For my 21st birthday, I was on the road touring with Harry Connick Jr. And... Uh, and my dad sent me a, 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 a birthday present, and it said, uh, to Jeremy, happy 21st birthday. Uh, it's not too late. And I opened it up. It's a baseball glove. So he's like, get out of the music business. <laughs> and uh, become a cardinal, perhaps. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my, you know, obviously he was making a joke. But, um, but yeah, they were really trying to encourage me to maybe consider other options. My dad was always like, man, be the, be the lawyer or the doctor that plays the trumpet and sings. Don't be the trumpet player and singer, you know. So yeah. it's pretty funny. You know, uh, Jeremy, growing up in St. Louis, you certainly knew about the Mississippi River being right there at your doorstep. And uh, you made it down this way past Memphis and down here in the New Orleans. Yeah. What was it about New Orleans and how do you look at your two places that have really shaped you, St. Louis and New Orleans? Because they're both river cities and they're both very special places. Um, I agree. You know, the, the river is such a huge part of this this community here and in St. Louis. And, what, and, and here we, I look over at it. It's cool watching yeah. the boats go by. Um, I'll tell you, my musical, my biggest musical hero and biggest influence um, is Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And Louis Armstrong, as you know, was born and raised here. And so I've always, it's been kind of like my life's work, um, although he only spent his, his early years here. Um, you know, I wanted to come here and drink this water and be yeah. a part of this community that, that birthed, to me, the, the, the master of modern American music. Yeah. And everybody, um, even the guy singing right now, Louis Armstrong touched, has touched everyone. So... And I think that's the main point is to, to, to be a part of, of, of a place like that. And, and you could go on and list all the great musicians that have come, that have come out of here. And so that's been my connection with wanting to be here. You know, that raises a question for me. We have a, a friend that we just met uh, that's from Poland. And uh, the husband is a phenomenal 
new, brand spanking new jazz artist. He's classically trained. Um, moved from Poland. They're in, in our area, in the D.C. Uh, Baltimore area. And his wife asked me last week, or asked us, you know, where should we go where he can develop his career? And my thought was New Orleans. I mean, that's always my first thought. Yeah. He had mentioned places like Memphis and, uh, you know, some of the other large... Austin and yeah. so but, 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 but this community seems to be very cohesive. And the musical, uh, the music community seems to be very, very supportive. And so if he's listening right now, what advice would you give him? I would say... I mean, I mean, to me, at New Orleans, it's, it's interesting because New Orleans, you would think it was crazy to be a trumpet player to, to come here because there's so many great trumpeters. But I, when I came here, I was young and dumb, so I wanted to jump into the into the shark-infested <laughs> waters, you know? The real shark stand. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's so many great trumpeters here. And so, um, but I will say this about New Orleans, and you can, we can tell our Polish friend that, that um, the beauty of New Orleans is there's just so much live music in such a yeah. variety of live music it's a music town i mean you still you know you still it's amazing i, I you, know, you walk around on any given night or drive around whatever and you can go from club to club and you see people playing music and it's hard to find that anymore i mean yeah. you, you know you, you have that in new york city you have that in austin as you spoke of but a lot of bigger markets they're going to karaoke and computer generated music and, and djs and all that and in new orleans you still have people playing music and that's a special place i mean it's a special thing and speaking of the trumpet how did you come to embrace that instrument well my dad uh just recently retired he was a classical trombone player for 40 something years in the st louis symphony Uh uh-huh so i knew very early that the trombone was not in my future i could (laughs) you know um so my dad bought me a a trumpet at a very young age because i took to playing his trombone immediately I, I fell in love with, with just playing blowing and you know making a noise into it and so I just kind of like the way and it was funny it was very kind of unorthodox way we just I just started playing my dad plays piano as well so we just started playing songs so that's, that was it so your dad gave you a trumpet and a baseball glove perhaps in the same city exactly, exactly. <laughs> now uh, Jeremy your latest CD will dance till dawn is kind of a snapshot of where you are musically how have you grown as a musician over the years and tell us about this latest CD and what it and what it represents to you well what it represents to me um, I guess most importantly is that my other CDs before this I recorded in, in New York City and uh, this whole project um, was New Orleans born and and, and, and and produced everything the record label the musicians the studio everything and so to me that that's important to me that that this whole project w- w- is New Orleans based um, and then you know the fun thing about playing music and I, I, I have a couple students and I always tell them you can't it's a never-ending process so like this morning before I came here I practice I practiced for an hour yeah. like, and so it's like it never gets easier. It never goes away. The challenge, you know, it's always exciting. So it, it, hopefully it keeps you young, you know. It's, just, it's something that never goes away. It's like it's like all artists, you know, they say you're always chasing something. So I'd like to think that, that I just keep improving. I'm just working hard and trying to improve. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think everyone, people should always... And evolve. I mean, as as uh, as broadcasters, we left the field of law, so <laughs> right. we won't be evolving as lawyers. Uh, but as but as as broadcasters and journalists, you know, and and certainly as artists in our own form, we're going to continue to evolve. And I think that's just standard for for anyone who is a who is a, a real artist. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Complacency just has no no room. Um, you know, I was up the other night late, uh, midnight, and dog tired. But I was I was. Um, doing uh, some reading about you in preparation for this interview and I, I came across a, um, a video that you did with um, with Kermit mm-hmm. Ruffins and, and that had me going and I thought okay this is better than coffee but <laughs> what, what happened to that song you did a duet with him called Mr. New Orleans what, yeah. what's become of that song um, it's it's uh well the story behind the song is just simply that that Kermit always comes by and sits in with me and he's a dear friend and, and, a, and a, just a, a character a great guy and um so one Sunday morning I just sat at the piano and literally it was one of those songs that just came to me just like I was thinking about Kermit and I was thinking about 
a, a New Orleans style number, and, and it just came. And um, you know, it's 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 uh, I like the way it turned out, and I want to. I'm thinking about the next project we do to collaborate on because he's he, you know he he just adds a certain dimension to it, and it's it's great. I love him. Maybe you should do a World Footprints jingle for us. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a plan. <laughs> Love to have you. Now, um, you've traveled the worldwide, you know, with Harry, and now on your own accord. Is there is there a, a country or a city that has really touched you, really embraced you outside of home? New Orleans is home. Well, Midwest is home. Right. But um, is there a place that that you really that you've traveled to that's just really captured you? Well, I feel like um, I mean I enjoy traveling. I enjoy um, I mean there's so many different places where people you know this music is is it's, it's interesting because in, in certain foreign countries it's it's more it's this music becomes um, it's more interesting to them because they're not used to it. I mean this is uniquely American music. So I like playing overseas, but you know what? Also I like playing in New Orleans because it's toughest audience, you know, and I like the challenge. Yeah, because you have to understand, again, people in New Orleans, there's a lot of options. So if they come to your show, you know you're doing something right. You know, so it's, it's a challenge. I enjoy that. Now, speaking of some of those travels, what have been some of the places that have left an indelible impression on you and perhaps have even shaped your music as you've gone around the world? Um, I don't know. It's, 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 that's, a, that's a difficult question because I don't know specifically if, if, a, if a place... Um, um, changed me, but I mean, certainly like um, going to Europe, I'd say, and, and or, or I, I did a, a jazz festival in Mount Fuji, Japan, uh-huh. where you're you're like there are times when you're placed in an, in, a, in an area that's absolutely beautiful and gorgeous, and obviously that's inspiring on all yeah. levels. So I enjoy you know always seeing a, a new place. So. And uh, Jeremy, I know that you um, you've also you've done a video for uh, New Orleans. Convention and Visitors Bureau, which I posted on Facebook, and you're oh, a good. Good Facebook friend, I good. see. Good. Welcome to the family. <laughs> but uh, but you have a CD out that you you uh, you did release last year, I believe, right. called July. What what's next for you? What's your next CD project? Um, good good question. We're talking about that. I actually met with the label president last night, and um, he was at my show, and we you know. We're talking about new ideas. I want to do something with a string orchestra. I want it to be huge. But when you involve that many people, it involves a lot more money. So yeah. that was that's what we're discussing now. But um, yeah, I'm definitely kind of going in that direction of doing something larger. I've always stuck with the uh, quartet quartet format. Mm-hmm. So I want to do a larger group format. Interesting. In in the club, the Davenport Lounge uh-huh. is, is doing well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I keep telling people, it certainly wasn't my career path. I didn't think I was going to become like officially a lounge singer with a lounge name after me. Uh-huh. But I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's 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 fun, and, and we're having a great time, and it's a great place. So I, I'm happy to be there. And the club's open every night, but you perform on the weekend. Yeah, three nights a week. Okay. But it's open all the time. And and what other types of guests do you generally feature? Um, you mean is all it, my? Is it is it all jazz or what? What other music? Oh no, it's, there's only music when I'm there. Oh, yeah, gotcha. I'm a control freak. Oh, oh. That's what you call that. good. That's a guy named after him. I'm like yeah. Sarah Palin, jazz musician. You just scared Uh-oh. me. You Sorry. really scared me. Sorry, I, I promised I wasn't going to bring that up. You know they're dangerously close right now. We yeah. they could come over at any moment. Ah. I know. I heard. I heard she well, had dinner at Mother's the other day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's okay. We'll get her on the show too. And yeah. We'll yeah. Talk about Alaska and environmental issues there. But yeah. Uh, that'd be exciting. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to come talk to her as well. <laughs> And, you know, uh, again, uh, one of the, the things I wanted to ask you, too, because we're both Midwesterners, and I was thinking the other day, I think the reason why New Orleans perhaps appealed to me um, as well is because, you know, in the Midwest, we're, we're, I call us salt-of-the-earth people. You know, we can say hey to somebody, and, you know, and, and they're not afraid. Right. Um, and you combine the Midwest just openness with southern hospitality, and there's a lot of synergy in this state. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I'll tell you a quick funny story. You know, in New Orleans, people always acknowledge each other. You know, when you walk down the street, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's, it's you, you, you look someone in the eye and you say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Nice day? Whatever. 
and I, I spend half my time in New York City, and I always forget when I get to New York, people don't talk to each other on the street. Or Washington, D.C. Or, I yeah, know. And, and so, like, I'll be walking down the street in New York, and I'll be, hey, how you doing, man? And the guy will look at me like I'm crazy, you know, like, what's wrong with this guy? Give <laughs> me money. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. Get away. Get away. That's why the soul needs to be in New Orleans, True. to uh, just uh, remind ourselves that we're people. Absolutely. You know? exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And as, 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 as our friend for Kelly, who's been sitting here with us the whole time, uh, bless you, <laughs> says, you know, this city is uh, a city full of um, waterproof souls. Yeah. And uh, sure. we're always happy to, to come back and, and shine a light on New Orleans and, and the talent. I mean, you know, the talent's endless. And, uh, and uh, we're so happy to add you to our little Hall of Fame and uh, our photograph Good. that we're going to take with you after this. We'll go on our power wall. Great. I'm glad <laughs> to see you guys. It's great, great to be here as our guest. Oh, great. Thank, thank you, you so Jeremy. much, Jeremy. We appreciate it. And, and we appreciate, of course, our loving audience who stuck with us today and uh, helped us launch our new show, our new name, World Footprints. And uh, we appreciate being able to, to go out and celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage with everybody. And, of course, we thank our uh, uh, extraordinaire engineer, uh, engineer extraordinaire, Ed Cole. Ed? I know you're happy to be back, and uh, certainly have uh, enjoyed watching you and enjoy the uh, the culinary treats here. Let's <laughs> go into the crawfish toil. Oh yeah! yeah oh yeah! <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, don't forget to stop by our website, worldfootprints.com, and we'll see you on the air again real soon. Hi guys, my name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada, Banff National Park, natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio, because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. This has been a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.